Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we work to recover the dignity and mission of vocation. Learn more at metronmanager.com. Okay, welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Nowlin. We're here today with Michael Eldaba, who is joining us from the amazing country of Egypt. Michael is a civil engineer who uses his engineering background and management training in his current role as a Christian mission leader and community development professional. He was appointed Lausanne Regional Director for the Middle East and North Africa and coordinates the ministry of Lausanne in 20 countries in the region. Michael is born and raised in Egypt. He worked in many fields, including oil and gas, microfinance, construction, and mining. Since 2012, he's been working with CEOSS, one of the largest development organizations in Egypt. He also just founded Naslink, a crowd lending platform that aims to transform giving into lending in Egypt. So welcome to the program, Michael. It's great to have you. Thank you, Jonathan, and thank you for the introduction. It's really uh, nice of you, and I'm really happy to be on your program. This is great. We don't get to hear from people out of country too much. Most of our audience is uh, domestic in the United States or North America, and it's a real treat. So help us get to know you a little bit. Tell us about yourself, about your journey. You know, how did you end up doing what you're doing now? It sounds like you have quite an interesting history and background. Well, I'm, I don't think it's too interesting. And, <laughs> um, you, when you study um, in, in, um, in places in the Middle East, the variety of what you can study is really needs to be decided in high school. So you can't just play around with majors like okay. you might do in the, in, the, in the Western world. So if you know math, you go into engineering if you have the grades. If you like biology, you go into, into medicine. <laughs> um, it, it, so the, the, it's, it's quite limited. So I, I was good in math so i chose engineering and then after three or four years of engineering work i decided that's not what i really want to do okay i want to do something different so i was really uh, blessed and fortunate to to meet um, an egyptian german uh, person who was working in in the oil and gas industry and wanted to come back to the country and just wanted people with with uh, an open mind and willing to learn new things so I joined him, and we uh, we worked in a in a um, in a local oil and gas company called Pico, just to to uh, to grow it. So we grew it by uh, different integrations and and mergers and acquisitions. So we wanted to buy smaller companies and grow uh, through them to to become uh, more of a, an energy hub for the region or for Egypt uh, in particular. So we learned corporate finance more. He was an excellent finance person where I've learned a lot from him. So uh, we did uh, valuations, uh, worked with banks, worked with valuation firms, with Booz Allen Hamilton. We even reached to become uh, advisors to the Minister of Energy in Egypt on subsidy studies uh, in, co- in, in partnership with different uh, uh, countries. So um, it just expanded with, with the way we did uh, things. So it was fun educational but then he left the country after that uh, for some family matters i moved to mining and then i moved 
to uh, to other construction work, which I also did not like very much. <laughs> and then I decided, hey, I want a break. I want like a leap year to start thinking of what I like to do and I want to do because I, I want the time to spend with the family, with my son, with um, just to to become more of a father and not the the the, the, the money maker only. Uh, um, so I was just blessed with working with the NGO that I'm currently working for. Uh, we do a lot of development work in Egypt. They want, they have a lot of investments in, in different uh, projects that they have and wanted to bring in revenue. So it's locally sourced money and not uh, and only in, through international funds. They had uh, a strong uh, microfinance arm. So I dug my hands into it. Uh, put what I've learned from the different businesses into it and now it's doing much better I think uh, we're having more than 60-65% of our funds locally generated from microfinance and the different businesses um, and I'm, I just got it's satisfying feeling that the work that you do channels down to the people that you're working for yeah. uh, it gave me purpose and I enjoyed uh, doing that and from then it came out the idea of Nestlink. Wow, that's a lot. That's quite a journey. Now, as you were going through this kind of career path with these different opportunities and companies, were you always a follower of Christ at that point? Or were you raised Christian? Or what was your faith journey like in the middle of all this? Yes, people always stereotype the Middle East very differently. So if I give you a map about, about the Middle East, maybe there's like 20, 22 countries in, in the area. They're not all to be treated in the same way. They're mm -hmm. very, very different. So you find Egypt completely standing out in the middle. Egypt has a long history, uh, not only of uh, from the pharaohs, but, but from Christianity. So yeah. we've had uh, St. Mark come here. So we have the Orthodox uh, faith and denomination uh, very strong here, but also we have numbers. We have 100 million people in Egypt, uh, and people don't know this fact that it is estimated that 15% of the 100 million are Christians. So we have a very, very large concentration of Christians. Interesting. Probably uh, equaling to all the Christians of all the Arab countries or the Middle Eastern countries combined, that's true. So what happens in Egypt with Christians diffuses to the rest of the region. Okay. Um, um, there are there's there are established churches. Uh, we now have a, a very strong church law that that we try and abide by in terms of uh, building new churches. And uh, we can't evangelize, of course. We can't speak publicly, right, right. but at least people can walk in. Right. So I was blessed to be in a, in a Christian family from Egypt, but uh, not the same story applies, of course, to the rest of the region. Uh, with, with large variances from one country to the other. Wow, that's fascinating. And so in, uh, in the midst of this journey, you know, how did you discover uh, God's heart in the marketplace? Like, how did you come across the Missio Dei or the mission of God in what he was doing in the workplace, in and through the workplace? Because it sounds like that's led you into being quite effective with this uh, NGO that you're working with as well. So there must be a real value in you for what God does in and through the workplace, through business, through finance, these areas. You know, how did that emerge? Was there a catalytic experience or did it just kind of grow with you in your career? 
No, it does not grow because when you when you are part of a Christian family, you again are surrounded by the stereotype of this is how a Christian should be. So mm-hmm. you should lead praise in a church. You should speak in, in different meetings in churches. You should follow that same pattern of what godly people usually do in churches. But it's not the call of everyone to tell right. you the truth. So, yeah, my dad does that, but it doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that I can do that. So I, I was not very comfortable with that. I was not able to do I did that when I was younger, but I always felt something was missing. And as you go in the career, you are, in a way, outcasted from the church. Hmm. I don't know if this is in the, in, the, in the West or not, but at least here, that you are doing the worldly work, hmm. that there is a different uh, holiness level between what people do for the church and what people do in the marketplace, which was uh, hurting for me, and it did not make sense. Hmm. With growth and talks and reading and talks to people that I respect, you realize that the integral mission of what Jesus really wanted to do on earth is much wider than instituting a church only. Okay. The real people who do the real change in the world are people of the marketplace. We are changing the world. We are making the difference. We are creating resources. Uh, we are actually the real hands and and uh, and mounts of of uh, of Jesus Christ for the rest of the world. Um, uh, yes, people go to evangelize, but no, we do more. We are in the everyday uh, day and night with people. We are engaged in their livelihoods. We are engaged in their uh, psychological welfare, in their incomes, in their families. Sometimes, the influence of marketplace people is is by far much more than what the church can influence people outside of the cycle of the circle of the church. Sure. Sure. That's amazing. And so when you were working in say the mining or gas industry, it sounded like you you had some really influential opportunities that came out of that. Uh, Was your, was the faith driven aspect of, of your life and maybe others that you worked with a factor in how you, operated or how you did business in that world did that help you in any way with cultivating influence or a place at the table so to speak that i like to talk about yes uh, definitely when you when you work in the different business fields let's say in oil and gas you are required for efficiency effectiveness or profitability, this is part of your job and your integrity towards the place that you're working with. So, being uh, having integrity is 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 that that alone is a very important Christian trait that you should you should uh, that that uh, uh, reflects the true image of Christ, which is very different from other colleagues that were there and in the business. So, when when there's a lot of money, there's usually lack of integrity there's more greed there's more the the the, the human uh, the drivers really overtake sometimes um, uh, the true reflection of who jesus christ is so when you treat people fairly with love for their value and not for their uh, only performance but you treat them as human beings that the right. true reflection of of god when you love them they see something different hmm. um, you don't need to speak uh, the good news to them sometimes because 
this is criminalized in, 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 in where we come from. Uh, but there are other ways. You, you influence and change people's lives even if you don't have to speak the good news and you have to like pull them on your side. People see Christ in so many actions. And in business, they do that. When they see you treating them differently, caring for them, uh, going up and down with them with the different turbulences of life, you become the, 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 the spoken and read Christ to them without having to wear a big cross on your chest and carry the Bible in your right hand uh, as a preacher. Right. So there's, there's a far more reaching message and arm that business people and people in the marketplace can do and can influence in this region, especially in the Middle East. It's very different than the West, very different than Europe. And it's definitely more different, more different than China. You, you would tell me that. <laughs> so each region has a different uh, taste of how you should reflect who Jesus is. But in the Middle East, the key is the marketplace, in my opinion. Interesting. So that must have been a factor, this experience and understanding that you have in this area must have been a factor in how you got involved with the Lausanne movement. Can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like for you and why are you involved with that? The Lausanne movement is, is a movement I respect because it does not have an agenda that it wants to push. Okay. It wants to uh, create a platform where people can actually meet build relationships, build synergies, and grow together without having to push a certain criteria or, or a certain, um, it does have the Lausanne Covenant to, to be followed, but th these are outlines of, of their idea of the Christian faith, but there's no curriculum that they want to push. There's no uh, theological agenda that they want to enroot. So I like that because it, it, it gave the Middle East a chance to be part of the table. Okay. Uh, what attracted me is that I want to work for an organization that, uh, which is a volunteer job that I do, um, to link more of the Middle Eastern people to have the, the more of a stamp in the, to the rest of the world. We've always perceived the Middle East as a recipient region. So yes, we have poverty. Yes, we have uh, a dominating religion that is uh, uh, engulfing all the different ideas, but it does not mean that we have a lot of content to give the world. We have a lot of history. We have a lot of uh, solid theology that we can influence the rest of the world. And Lausanne is giving me that chance by channeling uh, people that uh, that uh, that should or, and, or can leave an impact to the rest of the world through different conferences and meetings and and um, uh, 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 all around the world so that region can be part of the world not an excluded yellow region on the map that is within the 1040 uh, yeah. window that everyone is trying to um, to invade uh, uh, theologically or to invade on on the on the thinking side no 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 it's the other way around we have riches to give you we can be part of that table like Amen. you were saying <laughs> we can sit and we can we can interchange and we can eat together we can feast together it's not a giver recipient but it, no, it's an exchange relationship um, and enjoying the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ that has influenced our region and your region. 
Oh, that's beautiful. That really is how the body of Christ is intended to function. And I love your perspective on the whole 1040 window uh, idea and how it's portrayed, especially from the West. People really, really don't realize that there's so much of the very presence of God in the Middle East and people and different parts of the world that might be dis- described as being in the 1040 window, but they have so much to bring to the overall discussion around the faith, around following Christ, and about the future of the world, what's going to happen. And I'm curious about your organization you're working with currently, CEOSS. Am I saying that right? Is that how you all say it? CEOSS? Yes, it's a... It's an acronym for the Coptic, which means Egyptian. Okay. Evangelical, uh, it's it's uh, it means Protestant. Okay. Uh, more uh, evangelical has a different meaning in different parts of the world. Uh, so uh, uh, the Coptic Evangelical Organization for Social Services. It's okay. the largest faith-based organization in the Middle East that does all kinds of development work and microfinance work uh, in Egypt. Oh, that's fascinating. So. I imagine then it somehow connects or relates to uh, perhaps uh, microfinance discussions around that um, and definitely has a goal it would seem of benefiting society as a whole. So can you describe like what does it look like when COSS gets involved or is involved in an area? Uh, what do you what are you able to accomplish? How does that work out? If I can start first by what it resembles okay it's very important to 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 help christians in egypt specific in the middle east generally and and in egypt specifically to be portrayed as citizens of the land they're not agents of the west right so being a christian does not mean that i report to uh, a different government in the states or in europe no i am i am the son of this country i've been born i'm in the same fabric i just carry a different uh, faith perspective, which is something the West sometimes do not might not comprehend in the same depth of the problem. So, being in this organization that is clearly faith based, very Christian, the name says it's very Christian, and it's working for the country of Egypt, for the people that is uh, that, that, that's ninety five percent non Christian. It is working for the mutual benefit for the welfare of the people without segregation or discrimination based on color or race or religion, that means that Christians are an active player in the country. So it it is uh, building the bridge between people of different faiths. It is uh, building the acceptance of citizens. It's reducing discrimination just by being that, without right. starting to talk about the work that they're doing. Just that people feeling that Christians are in, the, in our same uh, of our same fabric. We're working on the same problems, and they're also working with us, not only with other fellow Christians, but for Muslims as well. So what we do is we work in different uh, development programs uh, with a variety of people: people with disabilities, children at risk, women programs, economic development, local development. We have a really wide variety of programs, and one strong program is microfinance okay and i think microfinance is uh, an important player to facilitate uh, finance to the informal economy informal economy is not uh, a bad economy it, again it's not maybe well understood in the west as it is in in uh, in the east if i if we are part of the east 
um, because if I put it in perspective, around 65% of the economy of the Middle East is informal. That gives you the weight of it. Uh, and this economy does not have access to finance, uh, to, to, to grow, to, uh, to be supported in its business practices and how they operate the business, whether it's micro, small or medium. This is all within the microfinance world of the Middle East. Wow. And so that's giving a lot of access to resource and development, I would think, to that large percentage of the informal economy uh, in Egypt. And is this a uh, successful model in your area of the world? Like when people hear about micro lending, for example, or microfinance, these kind of things, I don't think anybody really thinks that it, at least in the West, I don't think anyone really thinks of it as actually working. It's kind of often, I think, misunderstood as being some other form of doing a donation or some kind of a handout. Like, so I, how do we change the thinking around that? I hope you don't. This is a very, very successful uh, business model that, that uh, of course, everything can be used to cannibalize uh, uh, beneficiaries. But if used properly, this is a lifeline for people. Right. People don't have access to banks. So because they sometimes they don't have IDs uh, or if they have IDs, they don't have bank accounts and they have small projects, either at home or uh, or on the street. And then being being a 7000 old country, you have a lot of streets. Yeah. You have a lot of streets that are unregistered and and, uh, and sometimes the business, mostly the business are, are unregistered. So so people don't have collateral to to, for example, buy a new shoe making machine. Or uh, a person I was just uh, speaking with yesterday, he just bought a machine to um, to fix hoses for uh, graders and, and uh, excavators and stuff like that, heavy equipment. So he has a machine and he needs to he needs a loan to buy extra hoses to um, to as raw material. It changes life. Yeah, microfinance changes completely. The, the the opportunities of life. The U.S. is the land of opportunity. That's true. But because you have different financial um, uh, uh, tools that you can use, it became the, the, the land of opportunity. Uh, in addition to laws and many sure. other good things, sure. lovely things in the States. One of the things to make Egypt, a land of partial opportunity, not full opportunity, <laughs> is access to finance for yeah. people who are unbanked. So microfinance is a very good working uh, model. It is by no way a donation. We have a repayment rate of around 99.2% uh, That's minimum. incredible. It goes all the way to 99%. So the poor pay, pay back. They have gratitude. They want more. You work out the, the, the range of cycles. So you can take $500 as a start. And then if you repay it on time, you are now eligible for 900 and then eligible for 2000. So you take them into cycles, not to overthrow the money. So they become corrupt. No, you build with them and then you provide marketing tools. You provide my marketing access, technical analysis, technical, uh, technical uh, and, and vocational support. So you are really transforming the people to become smaller businessmen. So they can grow and spend more on their education, 
on their fa- on their health, and they hire others. And hopefully, the others that they hire can learn the job and have businesses of their own. So microfinance is a lovely tool to reach out to people who are really in need, not as charity receivers, but have but have businesses have good ideas. They just want uh, a bit of a push, a bit of a. a, a a spinal cord to to rely on yeah. so you're actually changing your economy changing their lives by their own hands you're just giving them uh, a shovel to dig with yeah. um, it's it's a satisfying and a lovely activity that i i encourage people to uh, uh, engage with that is so encouraging to hear hopefully people hearing this will get a bit of a different perspective when they hear about microfinance uh, based on this, it's great to hear a model that's actually working and has such an incredible uh, repayment level. That's I can't imagine that even happens in Western banking systems. So that's pretty incredible uh, to hear that. Now, how has this uh, affected this new endeavor you have, Naslink? Like, where did Naslink come from, and and what's the differentiation there? Is there a different angle you're going for? Is it something? I think you mentioned it was something around faith-driven investments. Maybe was part of that. Hmm. And the world NAS link is, is a combination of an Arabic word and an English word. Okay. So NAS means, means people. Okay. Link is link. So you are trying to link people together. Some of the issues we have with microfinance is that the capital is very expensive to take from banks. So banks give companies um, facilities and the facilities are expensive so, and they have to turn and then project those uh, interest rates to the beneficiaries. So it becomes a bit expensive uh, sometimes for people. But on another angle, because I'm working in an NGO, uh, yes, it is a, a, a Christian and faith-driven and faith-based NGO, but there are other uh, Muslim uh, NGOs, and they are really, really big. And believe it or not, there's a lot of money in this country. And people out of their faith need to give tithing. Uh, it's called zakah, for example, in, in Islam. Or, which I would hope that they are doing is they are general. They want to be generous because that's how God has made all of us, whether Christian or Muslim. We like to help people. Sure. We want to help others. We are satisfied when helping others. So people give money, but the money is when given to NGOs in in this country is rarely uh, uh, accountable. So so you have poor accounting sometimes on where the money went, how was it used, and it is not transparent. Has the money all been given to the purpose that it was given to? Is it used with efficiency, with effectiveness? Um, so that, that these were all the drivers that I've had and seen in the work that I've done. So learning from experiences that you have in the States and in Europe, I have tried to combine many of those ideas and, and, and make them more Middle Eastern okay. by starting NASLINK. So I wanted to use the money that was destined for sometimes unaccounted and untransparent payment. I'm telling people, hey, instead of giving it without knowing where it's going to, what's going to be done with it, let's use the strength of microfinance that people uh, want to return the money. And the strength of people want to give because there's a, a lot of giving that is happening. So let's combine both. How about you give to small projects and interest-free? So we're going to give them the money without interest, and they're going to return it to you. So when the money comes back to you, you can withdraw it if you would like, or you can give it to others. So it amplifies 
the the effect of each dollar or pound that's given that was destined for tra- charity? No, let's give it as a business transaction. So what the website does is I have staff now that go on the ground, they test the projects, they validate them, and then they write the story, take the pictures of what it is, and then we put them on the website. People go in and they they lend them a portion of what they want. So they want $1,000. So I'm going to lend them $25, okay. Um I, I wait until all the money is, is collected, and then I transfer the money after doing contracts and vetting to the project, and then which is done all electronically, so it is very transparent. And then the project does what it does and then starts repaying. It repays also electronically, automatically to the website. And then the website then distributes back the, the repayments to the person who lent the money. So your money comes back to your account. Okay. Uh, I have it set out that you know exactly how much you gave and to whom and who paid what back. And you can track all the payments that you've received. So it is very transparent. It's account. Uh, there's accountability there because the money is being used for the purpose and it comes back. And then I have to follow up on the project. Are they using this money for the purpose that they've desired that they've asked for it or not? So it, it became a platform that links givers to borrowers and then the borrowers give back and then you can give to others. So it just increases the effect of people with interest free. So it just gives a much stronger support for small projects to advance in their business. That's incredible. So you kind of built that concept and system out to better serve the microfinance vision and all these efforts. Is that correct? Good way to say it. Yes, because because a lot of the borrowers from normal microfinance sometimes they they don't end up making any money because the interests are so high. Oh. So I had to find a solution to reduce the interest, and the only way that I found the solution is by using money that was destined to be spent anyway. So instead of that going away completely, no, right. I'm going to give it back to you, and then we can use it again and use it again and again. So that cycle effect amplifies the usage of the funds. Um, and I've had more demand from people that I can even cover. I mean, I'm, I'm turning away people because I'm not uh, being able to have enough capital to lend all these people at the same time. Sure, sure. And yeah, what an incredible way to demonstrate God's care and commitment and heart for people. You know, we often talk about these concepts of like human flourishing and uh, holistic ministry and this to me sounds very much in that vein that this is really contributing to the overall living condition and the human flourishing element that's in your area of the world and i'm sure it's a great model even for those beyond that area of the world i i would agree because if if you think with me if you you jump into our shoes for a bit how are you going to change you're a christian living in the middle east and you're really blown away and, and moved by the message of Jesus Christ. And you're in the marketplace. The only way of doing this is by facilitating good. When Jesus went around to heal people on the other side of the Red Sea where I live, he did not look at IDs. He did not ask, are you a Jew? Are you, are you, um, are you, are you, do you follow what, what I say? Do you follow what, what, uh, whoever says? No, he just did good. He helped people without discrimination. So the least we can do is reflect that. And I'm trying to portray that through Nestlink. Yeah. 
that I'm not sending this as uh, this is your religious obligation. No, I'm trying to appeal to the generosity of people, yeah. to the to the basic instincts that when God created us, he instilled into us. So we all want to give direction when people are lost on the street. We all want to give a charger when your phone is out of the battery. We all want to give you a blanket when you're when you're um, when you're when you're cold, regardless of your faith background, regardless of your social status, regardless of of, of your of your of the skin color. We are made like that, and I want to to reflect that by having people uh, go back to the oranges of how we're made, because this is really a reflection of who Jesus Christ is. So people are becoming more Christian-like without knowing it yeah. by just helping others, by being uh, a helping hand to others without a hidden agenda, without wanting to pull them to your side of, of the faith side or of your social side or of your uh, countryside. Just uh, do it uh, heart to heart, people to people, person to person. I think that's really who Jesus Christ is. Yeah, I would agree. And I wonder, you know, as I hear you discuss this this approach and the thinking that's involved and the understanding of the nature and character of Christ and how he operated uh, when he was on the earth, I wonder if this is a broader model that could be used or this mindset that could be adopted for better effectiveness in many places in the world. You know, do you feel that uh, this is really an approach that works in general with the human race and with the condition of mankind these days? Especially a lot of countries are very closed uh, to new ideas, to external influences. There's a lot of fear, self-protection, uh, misunderstandings between countries and things. You know, I always advocate serving first as as the way that God wants us to engage with mankind. Uh, what do you, do you see what you're doing as something that can work in other areas of the world? I have enjoyed reading and understanding uh, an organization coming out of the United States. You know, the, the States has, has really changed the world on, on every front, not only economic side. There's, there's, uh, 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 a website and and uh, learnings about faith-driven entrepreneurs and faith-driven okay. investors. Um, uh, many people are are going on that, and and I know you, Jonathan. You you are really uh, uh, digesting this idea. You're really advocating for it, and I think it can change the world. You cannot point out to any part of the world that does not need uh, uh, resource creation. That's business. Yeah. As, as, as simply put like that, Michael Porter said that, that he has, he has, uh, he has started so many businesses. After, he still teaches at Harvard, but he has, he has a very famous TED talk that, that inspired me that you need value creation. You need to create resources. That's what business does. Business can change the world. Business is a solution. Combine that with faith-driven business you will really take it over. You will really help people reach out. I think this, wherever you go, you go to China, you go to Northern Asia, to Russia, to the, the midst of Africa. It's all about creating resources, reaching out to, to, to people who have common common goal of wanting to advance, wanting to provide food on the table, wanting to provide health insurance and health 
uh, care for the children, wanting education. You can never do that through charity. Charity sometimes is uh, is spoiling, is is uh, is it spoils the 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 driving the, the 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 driving force of people. When you have a lion in a cage and you give him meat every day, and then you let that kind the lion out after two three years, he will not be able to hunt for himself. Charity does that sometimes. Yeah, you you. Um, you reduce the ability of survival and creativity in human beings. The only way of doing it is, let's give you the tool to continue hunting for resources and providing for you, for your family, and for your country. And that's where the the next wave from the United States should be, in my opinion. Yes, there is need for charity sometimes, for support, for emergency, but do not neglect that marketplace entrepreneurs and marketplace ministry is really going to be the change maker of the world. Wow. That's fantastic. So if you're a Western uh, believer, maybe you have some career or expertise or focus in your life and you feel that you genuinely care that you very much resonate with the heart of God for the world, for the lost. Uh, You care about the condition of people's lives of poverty limited access to resources, these kind of things. Would would you say then that you would strongly encourage them to consider marketplace solutions as a response to God in this? Please. Marketplace solution is not by any way less than serving in a church. We don't need, no, only need their money to tell you the truth. No, we want their brain, their experience, their soul, what moves them. How do you treat your employees? Uh, uh, Don't come and give or invest only. No, just give us your soul. Come partner with us. Come give us a hand and let's put our hands together because I assure you, you're going to learn from us too. Let us uh, have the chance of sitting on the same table and working together for solutions because humans are humans all around the world. What goes well in the States will probably, to a large portion, goes go well in, in Africa and vice versa. You have people coming into the States from all kinds of uh, countries from all around the world. You need people from outside to tell you, hey, that's how you should deal with them, to be able to integrate them into your society, to make them better employees, better Christians, better people, better citizens. In short, a better representation of who Christ is. We can work together. The partnership is important. Marketplace people are the only solution to change the world, to reflect more of who Christ is, and to help us uh, advance and help you understand the people who are at your shores and going into your houses and going into your communities. It's a win-win for all to have marketplace people from both sides of the ocean work together. What an incredible and life-giving perspective you're bringing to this discussion, Michael. Really appreciate your input and being so transparent and sharing your heart with uh, what you're doing in the Middle East, in and through Egypt and microfinance. It's all incredible. And I think going to be very inspiring for people that hear this discussion. And uh, is there any way that people in uh, the outside world, so to speak, can learn more about the organizations that you're working with? Do you have websites or places they can just go to look and see what you're doing? Maybe it'd be a good example for them. 
please, I'd, I'd love that. Um, I can't keep up with demand here for, for, for NAS Link, for example. So we have a website called NAS, which is NAS, uh, link with it. So naslink.co, C-O. Please visit that. You'll find so many projects. Uh, and then I can help you uh, integrate that and we can work it together. And, and then you can look at the organization also of, of CEOs, that's CEOSS.org.eg. There's so much to do uh, that, that does here. We can really communicate. And I would be grateful if you have my contacts on your podcast. Um, I'm reachable. Um, and I would like to integrate more of the people who want to work outside of the borders in a way that is sustainable, transparent, and accountable, I want to help you do that. I don't want to portray a bad image about our area. We don't want funds that are unaccounted for. We don't want lack of transparency. No, actually, we want maximized transparency so we can work it together and advance in the kingdom of God together. And hopefully you, Jonathan, would take a step in our side and give us some uh, training from the different programs and curriculums that you uh, you do. I'm I'm greedy to have you by my side, <laughs> and hopefully uh, see you here. <laughs> I would love that. That would be fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Michael. It's uh, great that you shared with this audience and took the time. We really appreciate you. Thank you very much, and uh, it's a real honor to uh, to be in conversation with you. Thanks a lot, John. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager Podcast, presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.